Welcome to Bizarre Biz Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Bizarre Reporter. Bizarre Nurse here. Bizarre Teacher here. And today, um, we want to talk about this video we did on medical kidnapping on TikTok. So, uh, we basically wanted to give you more information about that. Some people disagreed or had experienced themselves or a family member. Um, and basically, it's a scary thing that isn't spoken about a lot, and it thankfully doesn't happen too often, although being medically kidnapped at all is uh, happening often enough that it's something that we need to talk it's about. It's a terrifying prospect. Mm. For sure. So one of the main things that brought this subject to the general public's eye was the story of Alyssa Gilderhuss, an 18-year-old teenager that went to Mayo Clinic and as you may know, Mayo Clinic is a world-renowned hospital, so this just goes to show that medical kidnapping can happen in any healthcare facility. So it happens from hospitals to long-term care facilities, and we know that children and the elderly are more at risk for abuse by medical personnel than other populations. Well, there's at least six states, Illinois, Louisiana, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Texas, and Washington, have passed laws permitting families to install a camera in nursing in a nursing home if the resident and the resident's roommate have agreed. Utah permits cameras in assisted living facilities. More states are looking at putting this law in the books due to unsavory YouTube hidden videos. And I know y'all have probably seen a few. Oh yeah, it makes me sad. On the yeah. news. Um, and this happened because family members couldn't prove it so they took it upon themselves to basically put hidden cameras or nanny cams into their loved ones loved ones rooms and that makes total sense i mean right. i don't know anybody that wouldn't do that if they felt there was some abuse right going on. absolutely so getting back to the story of Alyssa gilderhuss um it goes that on christmas day 2016 Alyssa went from a totally normal teenager opening gifts to laying on the floor in her own vomit unable to move half of her body or to hear out of one ear she was terrified and of course she began to scream which prompted her family to call an ambulance and she was taken to mayo clinic where they diagnosed her with a ruptured brain aneurysm i just want to say this reminds me of something i had a student two years ago who died from a brain aneurysm from what seemed to be out of literally nowhere it was right before a veterans day assembly um and she was a speaker student. She was going to be a student speaker and she was a scholarly athlete. She was just a wonderful kid. And this happened literally out of nowhere. It was an absolutely horrible situation. Uh, and this type of medical complication is, is just the worst. Like if yeah, you've experienced right. it, you know, somebody that's been through it or you hear about it, it's just, it's awful. Yeah. And most of that's because it's so sudden. So those of you unfamiliar with brain aneurysms, they're basically a weakness in the lining of the vessel that supplies the brain with blood flow. There's usually no sign that they're present, which makes them one of the most dangerous medical complications you can have. And because you go from perfectly functional to non-functional in literally milliseconds, the lining becomes so weakened that it suddenly bursts open and begins leaking fluid into your brain cavity. And since you don't have much extra room in your skull, this is a problem because pressure begins to increase inside your brain cavity, causing other vessels to be cut off. Now you're losing blood flow due to blood loss and you're losing blood flow due to pressurized compression and this will kill brain tissue within seven to 10 minutes. Yeah, without blood flow, there's no oxygen. Without oxygen, those brain cells will die very quickly. That's scary stuff. Yeah. So think about arterial blood flow. It goes about the speed of three to four miles per hour. So with each pump of the heart, vast amounts are being lost inside the brain cavity. 
This is truly an emergent condition and it's one of the ways that people can have what we call a hemorrhagic stroke. So when people think of stroke, a lot of times they think, oh, blood clot, right? But there's two, basically, two different kinds of stroke. Hemorrhagic, which is where you bleed out, and um, uh, ischemic, which is a blood clot, okay? So in this case, it would be a hemorrhagic stroke because they're bleeding out. So some people are also born with arteriovenous malformations, which are basically abnormal vessels of the veins and arteries. The veins and arteries are usually separate vascular entities, but for some reason they've grown together and a lot of times this happens in the brain. Vein vessels are not meant to support the pressure of an artery. So that three to four miles per hour, that's your arteries supporting that mm -hmm. speed, okay, of that blood. Wow. So the veins are not meant to support that and they eventually um, the pressure pushes through the vessel and again causes a sudden bleed. This is why we call high blood pressure the silent killer. So many times people don't know they have high blood pressure until it ends in a hemorrhagic oh, stroke. That's awful. And we should note, according to the CDC, about 75 million American adults, that's 32%, have high blood pressure. That's one in every three adults. One in three American adults has prehypertension which is blood pressure numbers that are higher than normal, but not yet in the high blood pressure range. All of these are just the cases that are reported. So how many go unreported? Yeah, right. Nuts. How many people haven't yeah. gone to the doctor for one reason or another, mm -hmm. lack of insurance or right. whatever the case is? That's exactly. really scary. Yeah, for sure. So one way I like to explain this, because I teach nursing students, is to imagine a fire hose. So a fire hose has huge amounts of pressure behind it. If you took a fire hose and pointed it at any wall or even the ground or anything, it would eventually tear a hole right through the wall. And it's the same case with a hemorrhagic stroke, except it's, it's happening in your vessels yeah. right in your brain. So I'm not sure what caused Alyssa to have a ruptured aneurysm, but getting back to medical kidnapping, it was likely one of the scenarios that I mentioned above, and she ends up in Mayo Clinic by ambulance. Over the next few months, she has four brain surgeries to correct her issues. So she's been through a heck of a lot. Right. Mayo Clinic places her in neuro rehabilitation unit. And this is where the issues begin. So she never had issues before she went to the rehab unit. That's something to be noted. Right. She's had four surgeries. Okay. This is her fourth one. So they send her to the neuro rehab unit. The medical staff take her off of her opioid pain medication, insert the wrong size breathing tube, discuss private financial information at the nurse's station, and um, the family, not the doctors, also discovered that she had a bladder infection that was going untreated. So I will speak to all those points and give you like my opinion right. on I, what's going like, on with those. The amount of mistakes made in this situation, at least for me, of course, I'm not in the medical field, I'm just a teacher, but... It sounds like there's legal mistakes happening here. Uh, it, it sounds like there's medical medical mistakes happening here, numerous times. It's incredible, mm -hmm. dude. It's crazy. It's nuts. Well, let's take a commercial break, and you can listen to our sponsor, um, and Bizarre Nurse is going to explain that to you. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back. All right, Bizarre Abyss is back, and we are talking about medical kidnapping, specifically the case of Alyssa at Mayo Clinic. So I wanted to address some of the things we were talking about from a medical perspective for a minute. And for those of you that don't know, I am a critical care nurse and nurse educator. Um, so I 
have a legitimate opinion about what is going on from both sides of this situation, the patient side and the medical perspective mm -hmm. side. So um, taking away opioid pain medication is a fairly common practice as soon as possible now. And I think that we all know why that is. There's an opioid epidemic problem. Absolutely. Okay. So especially for brain surgery as well, because um, we can have a level of consciousness change. You don't know if it's the medication changing their level of consciousness or is it the surgery that changed it? Um, is it increasing intracranial pressure? What is it that's changing the level of consciousness? Well, I'm not a medical professional, so can you explain what level of consciousness change means? Yes, that basically means, okay, so whenever we go in and we assess a patient, we do what is called a neurostatus check. So we make sure, are your reflexes there first and foremost? Because that's about the lowest level of consciousness you can have. Physical okay. consciousness. The brain stem controls your reflexes. So if your reflexes aren't there, that's when we consider you basically brain dead. Gotcha. Um, if you're able to answer questions and then suddenly you stop answering questions, or if your speech becomes slurred, all those things are signs that you are losing your level of consciousness. And that's significant, especially for somebody that's had brain surgery. Right. Now, yeah. opioid and medications can change your level of consciousness. That makes a right. lot of sense. And also, yeah. this level of consciousness is not only important with the brain dead situation, but going on this, this story, her decision making and being able right. to legally oh, yeah. make her own decisions in a hospital. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's vastly important, and we definitely talk about that. So it takes... Um, it takes a factor that can make things really complex out of the fold. If you take away the opioid pain medication, then you take one piece of the puzzle out that says, oh, that's causing the level of consciousness change, okay? Not to mention it reduces the likelihood of addiction, but that's a general rule, taking away opioid medication. It's not necessarily a mandated one, and it's one that you'll see differentiated between this doctor and this doctor and this doctor and this right. doctor. And I think we've all experienced that at one time or another. So Alyssa, according to her family, was crying out in pain and horribly uncomfortable on a regular basis. She was unable to rest and complaining of pain um, constantly. So it's easy to see why they were concerned, okay? Part of the job of a nurse is being an advocate and making sure that the patient and the family is taken care of equally. So as a nurse, my patient is the priority but family members are very important in taking care of your patient because they're filling the role of advocation themselves. Right. Especially because if, this person is sick. Right. Okay. And if that person is of sound mind, which Alyssa was of sound mind, I, is what you said, right? Well, that's to be determined. Okay. So, um, so basically, as a nurse, I advocate for everyone, but the patient is always my main priority because that's who I'm taking care of. So, but if, if a family member ever came to me and said, Hey, I don't feel like my, my, my family member's pain is being taken care of. Okay. That's a serious concern. It would, it shouldn't be ignored. No one should be in so much pain, especially after having multiple surgeries and being through so much. Right. It, it's a huge concern. So it's hard to say if taking away the medication was the right action in this particular case. But we should assume that the medical staff was doing the right thing and addressing the pain level as they should have So been. in your opinion, this was not a mistake? Well, because they're yes. the professional. Right. Yeah, I would say that 
if I had no other information, I would take the side of the medical staff in that particular okay, issue. Okay. okay. Next. On to the next. Next. <laughs> okay. Insertion of the wrong size breathing tube was another thing the family brought up. See, nope, that to me is just insane. How does that, that even happen? You can't mess that up. That's How a, does that even happen? That's going to be a hard no. Okay. Well, I didn't even realize there were two different sides. Oh, definitely. Oh, oh, sides. Oh, there's multiple. There's multiple. Really? I mean, yeah, they go all the way down to neonate, which is like... Oh, the that's okay. Well, that makes sense. Place. Neonatal, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but... Okay, if you had come from an emergency situation and you had the wrong size breathing tube, that's one right. thing. But when you're coming from surgery... There's absolutely yeah, no you reason for, for that. that. You yeah. prepped for that. So you should have the right equipment. Exactly. There's no reason or explanation for this, especially coming from surgery where a check and balance system is in place for these type of mistakes. It's totally unacceptable on the part of medical personnel. So that one, family versus medical staff, I would take the family mm -hmm. side. Right. Definitely. Like, it's Definitely. just totally inappropriate. Yeah. Now, do medical mistakes like that happen? Yes. Did it affect the patient to the point where she um, was, that it would be some lethal circumstance? Probably not, but we don't want those kind of mistakes, okay? The next big issue is the possibility of HIPAA violations, okay? So dis discussing patient financial information at the nurse's station is something to be taken very seriously. In the medical community, we... Um, call this a red rule violation. You cannot disrespect somebody's privacy right. when it comes to The same thing in the education system. We are, it's a very, very hard and fast rule. You cannot. Well, you yours cannot is called away. FERPA, right? Yeah. Yeah, FERPA. Yes. But the also. I didn't even know y'all had one. Yeah. yeah, we have FERPA and we also have HIPAA too, depending on what you're talking about. Like we have EMAs mm -hmm. at school and there are certain students that we have to pay attention to if they have something going on. Let's say they're epileptic. Mm -hmm. Oh, we know that. That makes a lot you know? of sense. Okay. So, you, but you can't go around saying such oh, and yeah. such is this or right. so and so is taking this medication, right? Yeah. So, very similar worlds. Our world makes combined a lot of sense. In yeah. That, in that aspect. Yeah, that makes sense. So. Um, patient privacy is huge in healthcare, in teaching. It's unacceptable to give out information about healthcare that's not necessary, and everything is on a need-to-know basis <laughs> and a permission basis, mm -hmm. okay? So the physician and nurse for the patient would know the most information, while everyone else would be having limited amounts of information they needed for the patient. Mm -hmm. So from the family perspective, the medical staff was speaking about private information they shouldn't have been. But being a nurse myself, I know better than that story. Because the family admits that they were at the nurse's station. Right. Where else would it possibly be acceptable right. for me to talk about um, issues regarding the patient except for at the nurse's station? Well, if you're approaching them there. Well, and this is what happens a lot of times. These people that get frustrated, they listen like at the bottom of their door. <laughs> you know, and they're I like... Wish the podcast people could see your... Well, I'm face. just like... I'm just like, um, okay, so you heard what I was talking about, but like, I can't necessarily like go... What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, I have a voice. Of what, should I put my face into like a container? And talk just into, into like, the how, ear of the other person. Right. How, how, where all the hell else am I supposed to talk well, about? Well, uh, but another good, let me just point this out that when family members ask random people that walk in the room, what's going on? Do you know anything? They don't. 
Right. Because the main nurse and the doctor have the most right. information. And did the right. not know not. that. Exactly. Right. Did not know that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's not like you can leave and go to a private room to speak about every single thing, especially in a place as big as Mayo Clinic, because I've worked in a hospital as big as mm-hmm. Mayo Clinic. And you can't. The nurse's station's the nurse's freaking station. Well, and if I recall correctly, I have no idea what I'm talking about in this matter, but if I recall, whenever I'm in a hospital and I've stayed for multiple days, they have to transfer information between shifts. Yeah, exactly. So where do you do that exactly? Right. Without giving information away. There's no secret location that you're giving (laughs) information away. Yeah. You You gotta do your job. Right. Right. Um, and I honestly, in the court of law, if somebody was talking at the nurse's station about private patient information, then the lawyer would probably, and the judge would be like, oh, well. Yeah. I mean, you're That's, at the nurse. It's not like you're, you're in the in, elevator, at yeah. the cafeteria, um, Some across other, somebody the street. else's room. Right. I mean, come on. So not only that, but any conflict that was happening with the family and staff is very important to the care of the patient. So it isn't gossiping. It's part of the job to relay the story to whom it needs relayed to. Anytime I have issues with family members, um, volatile situations, anything like that, that information is given to the doctor, is given to the next nurse coming onto staff. Mm-hmm. That's point blank, period. So it's not likely they were talking, you know, somewhere they weren't supposed to be. If the family overheard the conversation, it's because they were near the room where they were giving care, legitimately talking about the situation. So again, in this case, I would say I'm going to take the side of medical staff. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So who is right here? The family that just wants the best for their family member or the medical staff who have taken an oath of care. I tend to take the side of the family, actually, and you'll need to know the rest of the story for this. But I also want to tell you that my responsibility as a nurse is to care for the patient. I have and will hold my own professionals accountable for inadequate care. It isn't an option. The nursing profession is the most trusted profession in the world, period. The 2019 Gallup poll, again has ranked nurses in the 85th percentile. We are more trusted than teachers, journalists, sorry, uh, (laughs) bizarre everybody else. We are more trusted than firefighters, police officers, doctors, lawyers, pharmacists. Nurses are it, period. Well, I totally accept uh, that because if I were in the hospital, I would want someone like you taking care of me. And I'm not just saying that because... You're a family member. I'm saying that because you're passionate mm-hmm. about what you do. Yeah. Right. And I don't take offense uh, on a completely separate subject and enough information to create a whole nother podcast on. Teachers aren't trusted. Okay. <laughs> it's a fact. Like, we know this. And one of the many variables as to why we have an overwhelming teacher shortage. Yeah. So, again, that's on a whole separate, uh, there you, you know, go. podcast. That- but we are the only profession, profession shown such scrutiny, lack of respect, and distrust distrust to do our job effectively. Not period. meant to mention underpaid. It's, okay, I yes, agreed. Now, <clears throat> some would disagree with you, but if you knew more information, you would agree that our mm-hmm. pay is not lo- or too high for what we're doing. It's honestly infuriating. Uh, we teachers treat the mind just like you guys treat the body. So, yeah. you know, whatever. I, I could go on and on. Back to the story. I, I, no, I, go t- I agree. <laughs> I agree with everything you're saying. So this is mostly because nurses have made it an obligation to critique each other's actions, learn from them, correct them, and move on. No decent nurse would watch her colleague do something wrong and not correct it. Does it happen? Yes. 
But I'm saying as a whole, as a nursing profession, we critique each other to the point that it is problematic. Okay. So we will stop an entire procedure, take the whole team out in the hall and have an entire conversation, resuit back up and go back into the room. I've done this multiple times. I don't if think there's, there's an issue with that. I, at all. I think that's a fantastic at all. I do too. Uh, education, we don't have the we don't have the the ability to leave our classroom and think about what we're doing as we're doing it. We have to reflect after the fact. Yeah, and sometimes so, we we don't have an option either if right. it's an emergency. Right. We just cohesively kind of like get it together right. in that moment. But we've put these things into place. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody says stop you will stop Mm -hmm. right now and we're going to go have a conversation Mm -hmm. about it. Okay. So here's the rest of the story. All right. This is what happens next. Alyssa's family gets angry at the staff and comes to speak to them about hearing them at the nurse's station. All right. Instead of having a professional conversation about the concerns, they decide to tell the family they will no longer have any say in what's done with Alyssa's care. That's insane. All right. The family had written two whiteboards full of questions that went unanswered. That's also insane. So here's the thing, and here's what a lot of the medical community is doing wrong, (laughs) including nurses. You know what needed to happen? The staff needed to go in and answer the question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you physically have two whiteboards full of questions about your family member, Mm -hmm. why would I not answer those questions? And I think that's completely appropriate. They didn't didn't bombard the staff with questions. They wrote it down and waited. Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely appropriate. Yeah, and here's another big thing with medical care. Education is key. If they went in and explained why opioids were bad for her care, if they took the time to explain why they were having a conversation and doing the things they were doing, I almost 100% guarantee this would not have escalated. But nevertheless, it did. Man, communication is key in any profession, and I'm absolutely horrified that all the medical staff's response to this particular family, it's, it's just like, wow. I mean, if you put yourself in the shoes of this family, your daughter is down and out due to some completely random brain aneurysm, along with a multitude of other medical complications, and then on top of that, the people that are meant to eliminate your stress and help you feel hope and direction are saying you now have zero control, hell no. I totally agree. Well, you already know, uh, meaning my children here, what I would have done. (laughs) Oh, long, <laughs> long before we even got to the point well, of confrontation, my inner gangster <laughs> yes, yes, would have totally yes. came out and we straight up out of there. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying nothing to nobody. We're unhooking. And gone. We're gone. Bye. Done. Bye, Felicia. Deuces. <laughs> right. Well, and here's the thing. So, like, that's basically what Alyssa's family does. Okay. <laughs> So the family had previously asked multitudes of times to have her transported to another facility, which Mayo Clinic refused to do. Mm-hmm. And in some circumstances would have the right to okay, do. Okay, I was going to okay? say, do they have the right to do that? We will talk about that. Okay. All right. Okay. They were denied speaking to a patient advocate on the premises. Security was called to take them out. The patient herself was of sound mind and requesting transfer, which was denied. She stated staff was cruel to her. And then a psychiatrist and social worker decided, came in and decided she was not of capacity to make her own decisions and that she needed to have a guardian placed by the state. So all the family members were banned from bringing in electronic devices and Alyssa's belongings were taken for her supposed safety. Hell to the no. 
What the hell, dude? (laughs) I just have one simple question. How on earth did all the medical staff involved not see a problem with these actions? Well, exactly. Where's the meaning of oaths that were taken when receiving licensure at this point? Well, and so that's the whole thing is that we all as human beings have a um, kind of tribe mind. So if we start behaving that way and nobody corrects our actions and nobody goes back if we don't have a check and balances in place mm-hmm. in protocol mm-hmm. then you you start to get stuff like that and right. it's just surprising because this is mayo clinic still right yeah world so, world so, renowned yeah so like you i i'm just really surprised right i'm just really surprised and yeah yeah and so here's the thing you are allowed to reduce a a patient's rights if you feel that they are being unsafe. So we have to talk about what does keeping a patient safe mean? So what it means is preventing harm to the patient. Is it possible that the medical staff felt that this patient was being harmed by her family? Maybe, but in that case, it better be something they're willing to prove in court. Um, And apparently not. So NPR also reports that a Martin County judge ordered Alyssa's five younger, this is, this is, Um, Just kind of background information information. you kind of need to know. So a Martin County judge ordered Alyssa's five younger half-siblings be removed from from her mother's house, okay, from her mother's care, citing allegations of neglect and abuse, both emotional and physical. In late July, when county officials stopped by their Sherburne home to see whether any abuse was happening... Uh, Amber, her mother, tested positive for methamphetamines and amphetamines. Dude. What? The kids were placed. So that connects. I'm sorry. To yeah. Interrupt. That connects to our last podcast. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <for sure. laughs> yes. They were placed in the care of Alyssa's stepfather, Dwayne Engbrinston. Okay. So this is an interesting fact about knowing the rest of the story that makes it even more interesting. Okay. okay? So when the family felt that they could do nothing else, they decided stealing their family member was the only option. Yes. (laughs) Right on. If transfer, communication requests, confrontation wasn't working, this family wasn't going to give up. The mother and stepfather made up a story about how they had to get the great-grandmother in to see that she was unable. (laughs) And basically, they're like, you got a plot. Yeah, the great-grandma ready to go. Yeah, the great-grandma can't take one step away from the car. We got to bring her down to the lobby, right? So they're like, we're going to bring Alyssa down to the lobby to see her great-grandmother, where that everyone just pushes her into a car. They take, they get all this on video. There's video of this everywhere online. That's what I'm talking about. And they speed off, all right? There's a video online? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they, the, the <laughs> sister. Okay. Right? Wow. Wow. Yeah, videotape. That's it. exactly what I'm talking about. So what's interesting to note is that... The NPR article was actually an interview they did with Mayo Clinic. Okay. So Mayo Clinic was like, well, this happened and this happened and this happened. All right. So they're getting like all this background information Mm -hmm. that makes them look bad. All right. But what happened after Alyssa got stolen from this hospital is very interesting. Okay. So if Alyssa couldn't make her own decisions and the family wasn't doing her justice, then who's the kidnapper? The medical staff or the family? Right. What do you guys think? I mean, it's the medical staff. It's the medical staff. Right. It's totally the medical staff. Because innately... They weren't even letting her... She was off the opioids. Mm -hmm. She wasn't under any intoxicating 
substances. substances. Right. Right. She could make her own right. decisions. Right. And even if she couldn't, she had a multitude of family members there. Absolutely. Ready to help her, right. And they, they didn't allow it. So Mayo Clinic actually contacts the police after this happens because they've had a patient abduction. Correct. Okay. So <laughs> they stole our patient. Well, oh my God. The parents. Right. Come on. Get well, out of here. Right. Right. Well, according to the police whom the medical staff called, called, something didn't quite make sense. So John Sherwin, captain of investigations for Rochester police department um, is like, if Alyssa couldn't make decisions for herself, as the social worker and the psychiatrist said, and if she needed a legal guardian appointed to her, then who had been making decisions for her right. while she was in the hospital? And when the police asked this question to Mayo staffers, the captain said they replied that Alyssa had been making her own medical decisions. So Dude. she had been making her own medical decisions the entire Somehow. time. Somehow, right. In captivity. So right. <laughs> there's your answer. Interesting. So she wasn't under anyone's custody, and she was her own person being imprisoned in the hospital. What did the family do? They took her to another hospital, Sanford right. Medical Center, and how do you pronounce this? Suey Falls. Suey Falls. Suey okay. Falls. All right. A teaching hospital for the University of South Dakota. All right. Suey Falls, yeah. All right. The other hospital disagreed with everything Mayo Clinic was doing. They prescribed Alyssa medications, gave instructions for her follow-up with a doctor, and told her she could go home. <laughs> <laughs> All that ridiculous, yep. wasted money and time. Right. You know what, though? I want to hear. Uh, I know well, this is not our topic. That's a but lawsuit, dude. The money. It is money. Let me just hit on that. I, I, I know this isn't in our script. I, I, it is money. So that was brought up as part of the discussion on our TikTok, right? Yes. It is money. So it may look like that from the outside, but I truly, and, and it's hard to say. It's hard to say. There could be a financial motivation for this, but I think it's power. Okay. I think, oh, so I think doctors, I've dealt with many a doctor in my time as a nurse. Doctors get on a power trip. Mm -hmm. They don't want to say they're wrong. They don't want to lose power. And so when family then members start having conflict, they think, well, I'm the person with the education. I'm the one making pride. decisions. You brought that pride. person here. Pride. pride, dude. Pride. And the it's nurses. A guy thing. No offense. Yeah. It's a, and they it's overpower <laughs> nurses. They overpower other staff. They overpower family members. And so the nurses are just like, well, I guess we'll go along with you. Well, no, you know, no, you know. It depends. I, that is a total. Yeah. I'm just, here's the thing, though. I'm surprised. Gang I'm mentality. You, I'm surprised that other okay, nurses all, on here could tell you the same thing. I, I'm sure, but out of all the nurses that were working with that particular doctor that is in this situation, no one said anything. Well, no one here's anything. that's what I'm talking no about. One it's had gang mentality. To do no. about so if it? some dude is getting beat up and nobody steps in, yep. they're part of the problem. Mm. Right, but you know that happens all the time. I all the time. There's news about it all the well, time. Well, they've done social experiments where they've beat up some yes. woman in the street and everybody Nobody's stands around. Yeah. See, I just can't get on no. board with I can't dude, get no. on board I with can't it either. No. With that. No. no. I do dude. not co-sign. Listen, <laughs> I've stopped people in the middle of the aisle way and been like yes. what are you doing mm -hmm. in fact i've done that with children hey, yeah what is going hide on and a, hide and seek in a target a target okay yeah where's your mom yeah right right dude <laughs> like yeah. i don't have fear with that so no maybe it's the way we were raised thank you mom 
But yeah. no, seriously, it was though because I'll see some suspicious mess. character yes. coming towards me at the gas station. And I'm like, oh, I, you don't you know. Don't, don't get me here. started. Don't, you do not want to come have, over here, yo. I, I have a script. Excuse me. Do not approach me. Do not approach me. That is, you, that's my script. Every you time. do not want to come do over not. here because I got real. something for you, man. All right, anyway. Back all right, to the story. so. Back to the story. All right, so <laughs> they let this Alyssa go home. All right. Yes. They, which is amazing to me, all right, because Mayo Clinic, uh, not even a day, but they went over state lines yes. to go to this other hospital, all right, and stayed in a hotel because so the police couldn't find him, so they could get her to another hospital. All right. So Mayo had determined that Alyssa lacked the mental capacity to make her own decisions. The Sanford doctors again came to the opposite conclusion. They allowed her to make her own medical decisions and sign off her own forms consenting to treatment. When police learned that a hospital had cleared Alyssa to go home, they stepped aside, and this is what you call medical kidnapping. Medical kidnapping. That is medical kidnapping. That dare be medical There's kidnapping. no way that you're going to go to another hospital. And and here's the other thing. What happened to the doctor? Right. Nothing. Oh, he just went on his la-di-da way. Right. Somewhere. I'm just so saying, come this, on, man. You can't just blame the doctor in this situation. But here's the thing. I, he's the one and ultimate decision maker, though. Yeah, ultimately, Who's you are responsible. Who's checking the doctor? Oh, there's all, all kinds of there's people a above board. the doctor. But there's they're boards. not going to take... Hey. He's the ultimate. He's ultimate. Yeah. Uh, he yeah, would, yeah. But nobody went and arrested the guy. And it's total kidnapping. It's kidnapping. So... I'd be pissed. Right. Totally, dude. Totally. <laughs> so let's talk about some of our TikToker comments. Okay. So when I told the 60 second version on TikTok, um, <laughs> how do you even tell 60 a right. 60 second version of this story? Many of our viewers talked about AMA, which is known as leaving against medical advice. Okay. And they also mentioned pink slipping, which, um, what was that? Baker's, what was Baker's, what was that? Baker's, uh, what is pink slip? Baker's case. Baker's, Baker's case. case. Okay. So I'm going to get into that. Okay. So I want to address those points. Basically, you can only leave against medical advice if you're not a lethal danger to yourself, others, and you have the mental capacity to make your own decisions. So, which she was all those three things. Yeah. So if you're, if you go into a hospital for some reason, let's say your leg got chopped off at the knee and we're like, well, you can't go home right now. You've got an arterial bleed and you're like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm going home. Okay, as long as you are of sound mind, you can make that decision that and bleed out at yourself? home. It's a fine line. Okay. Okay. You're not you're actively not suicidal. You're passively suicidal. Uh, passively suicidal is okay. Actively is not. I'm it's, not saying it's okay. I'm saying that for the purposes of leaving against medical advice, whether or not a pink slip, right? Or, you know, situation. Right. So, okay. um, so basically. Um, if you're a lethal danger to yourself or others, then you'll be pink slipped. So pink slipped is when you are in active danger to yourself or others. Right. Mm. So we think if okay. we release you right now, you're going to go out here and either kill somebody or kill yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. We will not allow that. You are pink slipped and your rights will gotcha. be stripped. That makes sense. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So those people that are in under psychiatric care are pink slipped. Of course. Um, those people that are, um, 
without mental capacity, maybe pink slipped or they maybe um, leave against AMA. Mm -hmm. Other than that, you have full rights. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those are the those are the factors that come into that. All right. Since Alyssa wasn't pink slipped, she was in a perfect position to sign out AMA. She had full rights to do that. She was making her own decisions. A patient also has the right to request a transfer. Okay. Absolutely. So, I mean, you're going to pay for it, but we'll transfer you. Um, Although Mayo Clinic has come out with their own version of the story, this is a case where I cannot and will not back up the medical team behind the actions. Although I think they mostly made the right decisions for her care, they should be prosecuted for imprisoning Alyssa. Right. So her medical treatment aside. Right. Right. Before before she was on the neuro rehab, everything was fine. Mm Mm-hmm. This floor, whatever it was, was pure chaos. (laughs) Right. All right. Um, There's another case that came up that people brought to my attention, which I read a little bit about before. Oh, it breaks my heart. It's a killer. So, um, and that's Tinsley Lewis. So she's an 11 month year or 11 month old child with severe physical abnormalities to the heart and pulmonary or lung system. She was born premature, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, well, recently in the news last week coming out of Texas, something it's something that is currently Oh, yeah, happening. it's current. Right. Yeah. In fact, it was in it, the Columbus Dispatch this week. Yeah, and it's been all over the radio, and I didn't do a story on it um, it because it touches on oh, some yeah. stuff that... It's deep. Yeah, well, I, and, and here's the thing. I, I need more than a minute right. <laughs> to I'm comment. A, I'm about to go in, honey. So y'all going to get your feelings in. hurt. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, okay? She's been in the hospital on life support her entire life. Okay, so this is an example of a child who somebody may have made the decision to abort or may not have, but they brought this child into the world and now they have to be on life support, okay? Now, before we get into the story too much further, I need you to ask yourself some things and I know we try not to get too political with things, but we have to ask ourselves these questions with this right. particular... Yeah. With this case. Right. Right. So, do you believe in abortion? You don't have to answer me. I'm right. just... I'm, I'm, I'm These rhetorical. are the questions that you should you ask yourself. Answer Because them. of the state of the child. Mm-hmm. Yes, Currently. and answer them to yourself because I guarantee you, you're going to be a hypocrite here in about five seconds. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in abortion? Do you believe in abortion if the baby is severely malformed? Do you believe in mercy killing? Okay, if somebody's suffering. Do you believe in letting people suffer for life? Do you believe in not providing support if it's needed? And if you don't provide support, would you consider that neglect? And again, I made a TikTok about this. How exactly do you die in this country? <laughs> it's right? hard, man. You yeah. freaking somebody's gonna call. <laughs> Somebody's going to call the freaking doctor and right. every time they're going to shove tubes in you. Yeah. Make it's you hard live. to die. Man, these are some very tough questions, Bizarre Nurse. And honestly, each question, at least for me, would not be black and white. I don't have black and white answers for these questions. Each situation may have its own answer depending on a multitude of variables, in my opinion. I've only read about this story once, like I said, uh, but I can only imagine how hard this decision was for not only the medical staff, but obviously the family too. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I find it very funny that those people that don't believe in abortion for any reason and would keep a suffering child on life support, um, those two things conflict with each Mm -hmm. other, okay? Now, is there a right answer? No, this is ethics we're talking about, okay? 
So there's no right or wrong answer to this. And that's what I need you guys to know. So in my personal opinion, I'm more liberal with it Mm -hmm. because I want to leave room for those decisions to be made. Are there people out here that are very conservative with that? Yes. But in Tinsley's case, we hit an impasse. Okay. The doctors say there's nothing more they can do. She's in pain with every action they take. Changing a diaper, a diaper hurts her. Moving her hurts her. Changing her tubes, which she needs for life support, hurts her. Everything makes her hurt, but her parents want her to remain alive. She's suffering. Yeah. Yes. In Texas, they have what's called a 10-day rule. So if the doctors find they can no longer viably treat someone, they can take them off of life support after the 11th day, regardless of the family's wishes. Now, I don't know about everyone else, but I don't want some entity making decisions for me. I don't necessarily agree with what's going on with Tinsley, but her family is making her decisions. And I do agree with that. Mm. But the... mm, I digress. (laughs) Well, on the news last week, I heard that due to the family, they were willing to wait an extra eight days. Whether they do or not remains to be seen. Just a little update on Friday. A Texas appeals court overruled the medical center and said they must continue to treat the baby. I'm sure this is not the last word on this fight, but for today, she's still alive. Right. And I've read Tinsley's story in depth. And just to clarify, I agree with the medical staff as well. She's suffering and needs to be taken off life support. But who are those staffers to decide what happens with a loved one? Okay. So where's the autonomy for the family? That's their baby, is it not? And I find this interesting in such a conservative state that often true often disagrees with abortion then says well after 11 days though we can go ahead and kill him right and is that considered a medical kidnapping yeah exactly not a a medical murder well something it's definitely something when the child is born they're the responsibility of the parent correct so this brings me to my next dilemma um I agree with abortion rights. I also believe in mercing killings, assisted suicide, assisted death if a person or family decides to make that choice. But I also believe you should have the choice to continue care if that's how you feel. How can a state that's basically, you know, saying we agree with death in this circumstance, but not this circumstance. But they're all about the death penalty, too. So let's not forget that either. Right. Exactly. So, um... The fact of the matter is, in this country, no matter how much you think you're free, you are still at the mercy of everyone around Mm -hmm. you. And we haven't set limitations on when it's okay for someone to die. Right. That's right. I I don't disagree with you, but I feel like the time to make that decision would be different in differing situations. All I can think about are, are those stories that I've heard where people are in a coma, for example, and then the family is told, oh, there's nothing that can be done. And then not long after that, there's some miraculous recovery. And if they would have taken that family member off, that person would have died prior right. to that miraculous recovery, mm-hmm. right? So I just think people have a, a differing level of hope, uh, for lack of Absolutely. a better term. Um, and so I suppose in this case with an 11-month-old baby, my hope would be extremely high because it's, you know, a newborn child. And I would be absolutely livid if a hospital only gave me 10 days to survive. Well, and, and just real quick, if I can interject of here, course. 
I agree with you. That's why, to me, it's safer to be liberal with right. the situation exactly. and allow those right. choices to right. happen. Right. And I'm very happy to hear that they gave that extra eight days. I'm just curious to see what happens in that time. Well, and we're definitely going to find out. Cause right. We'll be... I think all of us will be following that right. story pretty closely. It's my opinion that the family should always have the deciding factor on the treatment of a family member unless the patient is severely suffering and the family wants to procrastinate for selfish reasons by keeping the family member alive just to say they're alive for the sake of being alive. Right. I mean, how many times we've seen that happen? I don't disagree with I that. I also believe that if the patient is suffering and the hospital isn't willing to assist in the death of the person suffering... The family should be able to make that happen. Call it assisted suicide if you want, but we treat animals better than we do suffering humans at the time that they need to expire if they haven't. Hmm. Well, and here's the other thing about what you're saying, and I totally agree with you. Um, people keep other people alive for paychecks. Oh, yeah, dude. You keep disabled, Absolutely. You keep disabled kids alive and breathing so you can get their disability check. Uh, you keep uh, uh, old people alive dude. so you can get their retirement check. It happens all the time. Now, that's a totally different circumstance. Well, yeah, that's some criminal That's the there. other end of this whole right. situation. Yeah. Okay? And that's where I think a judge needs to decide. You know, that evidence needs to be brought to court because that's just totally ridiculous. That's if they're caught, really. Right. right. Um, if we're boiling right down to it, I believe in the right for someone to die whenever they darn well choose because, well, why not? A child can't be brought into this world without the actions of its parents. And like the old saying goes, I brought you into this world and I will take you out. <laughs> Used many times. I, I, think, have, I have said that. I Used think we've all times. said it. <laughs> Besides that, if someone puts their mind to it, you can't stop them from aborting their child in the womb, maybe legally. But you can't make that decision right. for somebody. They could throw themselves out the back door. You can't stop someone from killing themselves. And, well, Epstein didn't kill himself. That's all. <laughs> he did. She had to add it in. She had to add it in. That is all. We are done. And the whole podcast was podcast. a joke. <laughs> no, dude. Stop. No. Well, that's it for this uh, episode. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>